Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to another episode of Falcons Trench Talk here on the Dirty Birds and Brews podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Knight, at Falcohol Kevin, joined by my co-host, he is Jordan Watkins, at Big 75 Fella. We're here for week 10, uh, and things have obviously not gone as planned. Falcons in the midst of a three-game losing streak. Uh, I don't think anyone's most pessimistic projections did. They have the Falcons going into the bye at four and six when they were four and three uh, going into this stretch of games, which well, included the, uh, the, the, the gauntlet of the Titans, the Vikings, and the Cardinals, and uh, what was the other one? The Commanders? Uh, I don't like. Yeah, uh, Commanders yeah. in there. Yep. So, you know, this, this truly difficult gauntlet where the Falcons have gone one and three against, uh, it's, it's a bad look. It's a bad look, Jordan, but <laughs> if, if you guys have watched the post game shows, you know how we feel about it, but, uh, we're going to talk about it some more. And of course, uh, no one better to do that with than Jordan Watkins, Jordan, how are we doing today? Well, first of all, I feel so honored that you said that. Um, no, I'm, I'm all right. It's just, you know, it, now we're at a situation, hey, we're at the bye week. Um, honestly, too, like, I know I've been one of the forefronts for a long time about the Arthur Smith questions around him and, and how he operates. Look, I mean, it pretty much came out in that Jeff Schultz article, right? Like, he's not going anywhere. So you're not getting that from me anymore. And now it's more so about what can I hope to see from this team um, going forward that can still bring at least some sense of optimism uh, so, you know, that's, that's, I'm just saying that now, like you're, you're no longer going to hear the Arthur Smith needs to go. He's not the guy that's, that's not me anymore. There's already pretty much been set in stone unless things really go South and we finish with a, uh, what four and four and 13 <laughs> record. Um, you know, so you, you won't, you won't hear it from me that that's not how I'm going anymore. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think either one of us seriously thought that there was any chance of him getting fired mid season or at least during the bye week. I know a lot of fans have been pushing for that and you know, it's your right as fans to call for people to be fired. That's one of the most Absolutely. fun things you can do as a fan when things are going terribly. I understand that completely, but uh, knowing Arthur blank, we, we know that that's very unlikely to happen. He just doesn't do that. Um, of course, so, and, yeah. but I, I do understand it from this standpoint, like there's another team coming into this year and I'm not saying this to say that the Falcons had Super Bowl aspirations this year. Right. Like not doing that. Yeah. We did have yeah. aspirations. And I guess technically just based off of how the division looks still do have aspirations of winning the NFC South. But there is another team out there that they made changes. Right. Not changes to the head coach didn't fire the head coach. But there's a team that had Super Bowl aspirations coming into this year. They just made changes. Right. Uh, talking about the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. They, they yep. uh, changed their offensive coordinator. Right. Uh, so now. But here's the thing that's interesting to me, right, uh, in terms of when the change happened and how they looked when it happened. So shout out to Mina Kimes at ESPN. She does a phenomenal job. She had this tweet earlier, or post, sorry, I don't I want to get some trouble. Um, <laughs> Bill's offense for week 10. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I, I want to be careful. Uh, Bill's offense for week 10. Week 10. Third in DVOA, first in success rate. Third in EPA per play, fourth in QBR, third in yards per play, second and third down conversion percentage, and third in red zone efficiency. 
and they made a change in offensive coordinator. It sounds pretty good. I don't, it sounds like the offense wasn't the problem the, to me, but I mean, I, well, <laughs> the thing is, like, the, yeah. the, to an extent, like, they, they, I mean, the Bills are an interesting situation. I know they have a lot of injuries on defense. Um, you know, Tredavious White things out for the year. Milano's out for yeah, a while. It's a huge one. Like a lot of the big time dudes are are out and hurt. But the offense, a big problem has been Josh Allen turns the ball over. Yeah. So, you know, there's there's certain things that you can't really change that. I just found it interesting, though. I want to make the, the, the comparison yeah, yeah. of that's a team that they have some aspirations. Obviously, they're falling short of what they need to do. Again, they didn't fire Sean McDermott, but right. they did make a change in terms of the the play calling and or the, the hierarchy of it. And so that's something I think Falcons fans would like to see or be interested in seeing, you know, just some changes in that regard. Yeah, I agree. And then we should definitely, we will definitely get into a discussion about that too. Uh, real quick, want to bring you guys a word from our sponsor, betonline.ag. Folks, the last of the major pro sports leagues is off and rolling. That's right. College basketball is ready to go along with the NHL getting fired up here and the NBA, of course, in full swing now. And BetOnline remains your top spot for all your live betting action and contests. You can get the NFL, college football, UFC, NHL, NBA. They're all going BetOnline is your number one source for your wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions for all of those sports. You can get all your hoops betting action along with the NFL through the Super Bowl and college football through the college football playoff. They're all available at your fingertips through both desktop and now mobile access at any time with BetOnline. And make sure, guys, head to that website, BetOnline.ag today. And remember to use our promo code. It's Believe B-L-E-A-V. For your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, definitely check that out, guys. Bet online where the game starts. And yeah, Jordan, you brought up a good point. Um, and that's that, you know, Arthur Smith has come out and said, like, we're not going to, we're not planning on making any staff changes during the buy, which I guess doesn't surprise me either. But I think you bring mm-hmm. up a good point with, with Dorsey, where it's like that offense statistically speaking is drastically better than Atlanta's. There's one of the best in the NFL and they still felt like they needed to make a change there. I don't know if it's like one of those things where is this like a change for the sake of change thing, kind of like how the Falcons fired Steve Sarkeesian in 2018. Will this be looked back upon as a mistake or, or is this like something to spark a change on the offense? And it's really hard to know at the time, but you know, as much as fans don't want to hear it, it's very rare that a coach firing actually sparks some sort of, significant change now you can see yeah. a lot of times there's a bump like what we're seeing with the Raiders right now sort of like uh I forget <laughs> what's the Antonio terrible Pierce. phrase yeah what's the terrible phrase they use the dead cat bounce or something like that when you fire oh. a coach and you get a <laughs> you win a couple games uh, it's a terrible yeah. phrase but um you know whatever whatever you want to call it probably something uh I got my cat in my lap so he's probably upset with me saying that but um yeah, whatever you want to call it. Like there there is sometimes a little bit of like a bounce after you after you sort of had that weight lifted, but it rarely translates to like significant change in season. Now obviously, it can be a step towards a major change in the off season, but you have to think that's why they're trying to keep continuity because honestly, they're probably thinking, well, we're not likely to to get a whole lot better you know yeah. by shuffling pieces you know it's like shuffling the deck tears on the titanic with this team at this point so yeah well first i'll tell your cat that's one life down eight to go like <laughs> yeah. it, it'll be okay um yep. but i i will say this i think there is something about certain changes in 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 house and again like i said not head coach firings per se but there is something to say about the in, the in-house changes because now everyone in the locker room knows like, okay no they're for real about being all in 
right? Uh, so you, if you look at, you know, you talk about Las Vegas and Josh McDaniels, which again, if you ask me, it was a terrible hire in the first place. But, you know, you make that change, everyone in the locker room understands and knows, okay, ownership, you know, Mark Davis, all those guys, they're they're bought into this. We're, they, they really want to, they're not just going to sit here and be like, well, you know, we're in the division with the Chiefs. They're going to win the, I mean, the AFC West and, you know, that's that. No, they made a change because they, they're, they're still trying to win. You look at Buffalo. Now, again, I don't think that letting Ken Dorsey go and then you bring in Joe Brady, I don't think that was the issue. But at least the locker room knows they, they're not tolerating, you know, uh, subpar performances. Uh, they're not going to tolerate the record that they have right now, especially when you look at in your own division and you see what Miami's doing. And even though, you know, um, uh, Aaron Rodgers is out, who knows how long he's going to be out because apparently he's defied science. That's kind of a double joke there if anybody gets it. <laughs> um, but even though, like, but who knows when he's going to be back from his Achilles. And that defense is good enough to keep them in games to where the offense can get a touchdown here or there. They can still win some games. Like, as, as crazy as it sounds, and I know, like, it was a bad game per se, that Sunday night game, the Jets are still in that division, in, in that yeah. division in terms of, or at least in the wild card race, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if you make a move like that, everyone in the locker room is like, hey, we got to stay, we got to stay 10 toes down because the front office is showing they want to win. And I, I think that's where a lot of us as Falcons fans and people that watch the team, where we come in and, and that's where we talk about it in terms of, you know, if you see a move or you see something that shakes some things up. Just remind that locker room again of like, hey, what we're doing right now is not, this isn't acceptable. You know, you have a head coach again, he's supposed to be an offensive minded guy. We knew all about the run schemes and, and, and this and that, the other. But obviously, like putting up the points per game that we're doing isn't good enough. You know, having possessions that start at the 14, the one, and I think it was at the 24, I want to say, in, in the last three weeks. And only getting field goals off of that. That isn't good enough. So that's why, like, again, even if it wasn't going to be an Arthur Smith firing, which, like you said, I, we all expected that wasn't going to be the case, um, you would like to see at least some certain sense of hierarchy kind of get switched up there just to, again, to remind the locker room of, uh, this ain't it. Yeah. This ain't, maybe the first two years, you know, with the roster that we had, it's like, okay, you're struggling. It is what it is. But no, this year, nah, not good enough. Yeah, I mean, it's to me, you know, the the whole team just looks like it's stuck in mud. I mean, the whole the mm -hmm. execution across the board is, has been really sloppy during this this losing streak. The defense's tackling has basically gone from ve being very good to being awful. I mean, I think they have like 20 missed tackles in the past two games or, mm -hmm. or more. Um, and that's like almost that was like half of their total going into this three game stretch they've had in like the last two games. So like uh, they've just the whole team looks I don't, I, I won't say it's not disinterested, but it's like everybody, everybody's screwing up. Everybody is playing, is making mistakes. The offense, you know, it's, it's a complicated issue. Um, but I think, you know, there's sort of, there's still a couple of camps. One camp is obviously like Arthur Smith is to blame for everything camp. There's definitely people that are like, well, it's multifaceted. And then there's people that are like, actually, Arthur Smith's fine. And, you know, really it's that everybody else is screwing up and, 
it's really, it's in the middle, obviously. Like, it's never going to be all on one guy or another or whatever. But I, what I will point to is... I'm glad is, you said yeah, that. Yeah, it, it's never like, just one like, person, it, ever. Like, I hope people understand that, right? Like, I'm not, yeah. this is all on Arthur Smith. I'm a multifaceted guy. But I also yeah. understand how this all works. Like, if things go wrong, things go south, obviously, Kevin, you know this too. Where is the biggest change? That's gonna, like, you're not going to release all of a sudden 53 guys. You can release one guy though. <laughs> that's how this. That's how this works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, like, the reason people go to the head coach, like you said, is that it's it's one move you make where you feel like it affects everything, and and to some extent it does affect everything, but it doesn't necessarily fix everything. It can cause a whole other set of problems depending depending on what you're doing. So, it's not that simple ever. But sometimes it can be a boost, and, and sometimes you need to do it. And, of course, you know, this is a question the team will be asking at the end of the season, depending on how it goes. But to me, you know, the head coach, he's the offensive play caller and the head coach. So you have to think his purview is mostly on the offensive side of the football. I think we all know that. You know, the yeah. defensive issues, it's like, you know, I, I don't know who to blame when the tackling goes to shit. Because it's like I they were tackling great in the first, what, seven games of the season and then all of a sudden, the over players. the past three, they've struggled. So it's like, I, I don't know that you can blame the coaching staff for guys for getting how to tackle. Like, or just, you mm. know, I mean, maybe they're trying to do too much. Like, I, I don't I don't know what's going on exactly with that. But pretty much everyone has has started tackling poorly. So, and again, I think it points to, like, the whole team feels like it's stuck in a rut. Like, they're just in this malaise. So maybe this is a scenario where the bye week is just coming at the right time. And it's like, okay, we can reset and, and get back on track here. But what I was going to say with regards to the head coach is especially when he's in charge of the offense is a lot of people, there's a lot of problems with the offense that we've talked about, right? Like we don't particularly like the play calling the red zone play calling. It has gotten better over the past two games. I would say like they, they have improved their red zone rate significantly. Um, but you know, they've been helped out by a lot of penalties and going against some poor defenses here in the last couple yeah. of weeks. So that's part of it. But you know, a lot of people are saying, you know, the route designs aren't creative and they're not creating any separation or spacing. And that's true. That's 100% on Arthur Smith. And then people are saying, well, the receivers are running lazy routes. And like, it's kind of, I mean, yeah, I would say that the the routes for some of these guys aren't great, but I wouldn't say that, you know, I would say the bigger issue is there's just not a lot of natural spacing with the route combinations to begin with. So like, if you don't run them perfectly, it's going to look muddy because it's just, I, you know, I don't really understand some of the concepts they're running. I mean, I'll leave that to the people that study passing games because it's, it's a whole field, you know, it's, it's something that really takes a lot to get into. I'll leave that to like JTO Sullivan and those guys, but yeah. And that's the thing. Yeah. But those it's are like, the guys that those, are saying it. It's not yes, us. It's yeah. them. Don't ask me to tell you, you know, why that, why this particular situation is good against this or that. Like, I mean, we, we know, you know, I, and I, I know a fair amount, but I won't consider myself any sort of expert on, you know, passing game concepts and how they relate to X, Y, and Z and all that. You know, we, you know, we're, we're more informed than the average fan and we, we like to give our, our takes, but we don't represent ourselves as offensive coordinators that are going to break down, you know, every aspect of an offense and be able to tell you every play call, but when the whole when when it's not just one player that's like if it was one guy it's like oh well, Van Jefferson's slacking on his routes we should bench him. Mm-hmm. Basically they're saying like oh well every single player in the offense is running poor routes like Kyle Pitts is running lazy routes Drake London's running lazy routes. everyone so if if that's the case isn't that just an even further indictment on the coaching staff because there's no way all these guys just forgot how to run routes like so you make a really good point there and I I, I want to make this clear too obviously 
my knowledge and experiences is at the line of scrimmage, right? That's why we have this whole thing, trench talk. Mm -hmm. um, so I want people to understand a lot of times when I'm saying something about routes and route concepts and spacing, I'm not doing it because of what I know, just, you know, inherit and in, um, inherently I'm asking other people who played receiver, who played corner, who played quarterback, what do they think? about this offense and what do they think about the spacing and once they see once they tell me something and it's like oh here's the reason why this doesn't look this way or that way it's like okay now keep that in mind right it's the same thing as if um you know if you go to school you might go to school one day and i'm, I'm just using this as an example you might not know how to do multiplication right like i'm, I'm just gonna do it like one of the very basic forms of math right but once you see somebody else do it someone teaches it to you after that, after a while, and you get certain reps with it, you know, like maybe the first couple of times, right? Like, let's say you have a four times eight. You might have to go to the teacher the first time. Is this 32? Yes, it is. Okay, cool. So I know what I know what that is. Then you go back again, seven times seven. Is that 40? No, it's 49. Oh, okay. I see where I messed up. I see where I got the difference. But after a while, once you get more and more consistent with it and like more times you're right, that's when you start, you know, you start speaking on it. And that's, you know, how I've kind of gotten to this point. Now, again, I'm yeah, not yeah. perfect with it. I know that. But when I, again, when I'm, when I'm saying certain things, because I'm learning it for people who really do know this stuff. Right. Yeah. And same thing that you, Kevin, like you brought up JTO Sullivan. I'm never going to know as much about running routes and running concepts as JTO Sullivan. will. I won't know it as much as Kurt Benkert. I won't know it as much as Kurt Warner and a lot of other people who have played this game on the offense and especially quarterback that, um, I will never be able to talk about this offense and route schemes and concepts as much as they do. But what I will do is I'll listen to them. Yeah. And so if all of a sudden, let's just say next week or in two weeks after the Saints game, if they were to come out and say, oh, man, like I saw some changes in what Arthur Smith is running and this is so great. I'm going to say like, OK, no, that makes sense. I see yeah. where they're coming from. But until then, it's no, I got to be critical of it. You got to be critical of it. That That's just how this works. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, neither of us played quarterback. We don't understand the total complexity of it. That doesn't mean that we can't listen to other people who are yeah. informed and, and talk about the things they've brought up. And and I think it, that that's important to, to bring in. You know, we're not just giving you our perspective. We're giving you our informed perspective from, you know, consuming other content creators, other people that are doing great work out there. And, and, and you know, I think that what they're saying makes sense and I think it's legitimate and, you know, it shouldn't be ignored. And I think that was part of why, you know, Arthur Smith's comments toward Kurt Warner were so problematic because it's like, are you really questioning Kurt Warner's ability to evaluate a passing offense? I mean, we're talking like one of the goats here, you know, not not that like I'm surprised he would not take, you know, criticism to his scheme kindly. I mean, as we've said yeah. many times, you have to have a big ego to be an NFL coach, especially an NFL head coach. There's no other way to survive in this league. So it's not terribly but again, surprising. It wasn't, it, it wasn't even the fact that it was Kurt Warner. It's the fact that it was a repetitive message from yeah. a lot of other people that have yeah. had at least NFL experience like Kurt Warner's mm -hmm. had. Yeah. That was, you know, I think that was kind of the thing that really bugged people and roughed them the wrong way. But um, I do want to say this, and this isn't about coaching. This is about the players. I was disappointed um, in the run game. And I get it. We, we put up a good amount of yards in this game, right? But – why I say I'm disappointed is because, you know, you go into certain games and you understand certain matchups um, and you think, okay, 
this is where you should dominate. And again, I'm still waiting for that 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 true Falcons game of remember last year we won the games. We always felt like no matter what, even if it was Mariota's quarterback or Ritter the last couple of games, we can rely on this run game where it's, hey, we're going to run the ball and there's nothing you can do to stop us. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, this is an Arizona defense, as we've talked about before, not good. Yep. I wanted to come out of this game that sense of feeling of we just physically dominated them. Yeah. And then, of course, they had, I think they had two D-line injuries uh, in the game as well. And even though we did have a solid rushing attack in the game, I I did not come out of that game. Just the, the, again, like I'm saying, this is a feeling. Not It's not a, what do you mean? We rushed for X amount of yards or, you know, like that's that's not what I'm saying. Like there, there there's a certain sense of a feel of a game, right? And I just didn't come out of that game feeling like we dominated them, which is crazy. I get it. We had 184 rushing yards, but Again, whether it was certain play calling that kind of gave it away, maybe there are certain zero yards or TFLs that were allowed. It just didn't feel like we dominated at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And and I think a big part of that is the tight end blocking. Like, um Yeah. It's it's fallen off a cliff. Um and like Again, like I, I, I'm just gonna continue to criticize making Kyle Pitts like a featured blocker in your offense. Like I'm, I'm sorry, but like it, that's not what he does. Like he's six six two forty, and you're asking him to block defensive ends. Like it's, it was never gonna go well unless you had him bulk up to like two sixty, which I'm sure he could do. But then he's not Kyle Pitts anymore. You're turning him into like an inline tight end. Right. And again, that's not Kyle Pitts. So like, I mean. You know, I think we all expected Kyle Pitts to be lining up outside and blocking corners, where I think he'd probably dominate cornerbacks in, in the run game. But instead, it looked better. Having, yeah, it would look better. I mean, he's not ever going to be a guy that's this elite run blocker. But again, that's not why you drafted him. That's you know, I think we've seen him be a passable run blocker at times, and that's basically what you should be expecting. Like if you wanted a two-way blocking tight end they should have waited and drafted Sam Laporta in the second round you know like if, if that's what you really wanted you should have waited for that instead of spending a top five pick on a guy that's a receiver that maybe can block on occasion um but you know we've we've brought that up a bunch of times it's really like the other guys like obviously Parker Hesse who they didn't even put on the active roster which was weird mm-hmm. he's on IR um but like aside from him nobody has run blocked well at all Michael Pruitt mm-hmm. has fallen off a cliff and in terms of his run blocking. John Fitzpatrick has not been playing. I think he's played like eight total snaps this year. John U. Smith, good pass blocker. He's been pass blocking quite well. Same with Kyle Pitts, actually, funny enough. Um, but John U. Smith, as a run blocker, is not good. And for the same reasons as Kyle Pitts, right? He's a smaller move tight end. That's just not his game. And so none of the tight ends have run blocked well. And that was a core part of what they did and what they are trying to do is get those tight ends to make blocks on the outside. They're not succeeding. Tucker Fisk on 13 run blocks is the only guy with like a above a 60 in run blocking. He has a 74.4. He's only blocked 13 times. And part of that too was he was playing at fullback last week because uh, Keith Smith was out with a concussion. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, even Keith that Smith is, is having a down year. Yeah, exactly. Even Keith yeah. Smith's having a down year. So, like, they're not getting good run blocking from any of these pieces that they've sort of depended on in the past. And, mm-hmm. you know, to me, it's odd that they didn't, since this being such a core part of the offense, to not invest in a great run blocking tight. I mean, I get Michael Pruitt has traditionally been a very good run blocker, so him falling off 
couldn't really foresee that happening. But like Parker Hesse, you know, that it didn't even seem like he was really in their plans, weirdly, like since he was on the practice squad and they were, I mean, maybe they were playing some kind of game with that. I don't know. But, you know, he goes on IR and all of a sudden your one blocker is Michael Pruitt and he's not blocking well. So now you don't really have any answers there. I think that's a low key reason why the run game is, is struggling a lot because you look at the offensive linemen and like, they haven't been as dominant outside of maybe like Lindstrom and, you know, Drew Dahlman, you know, the other guys haven't been as dominant as they've been in years past, but like they're, they've been fine. You know, I don't know that the offensive line itself is, is run blocking terribly, but they've mm-hmm. lost that edge at tight end. And I think that is, especially on the outside zone stuff, that has been sort of one of the keys that maybe has come into focus after sort of seeing this over the course of the first 10 games. And and so you saying that that's what gets me again back to the point that I was saying earlier, you know, or I've said for a few weeks now in terms of letting or putting your your players in a position to succeed. If we if you know you can turn on the tape and you see your tight ends are struggling on the outside, again, let's let's do some more things up the middle. Let, let's you know the inside zone again. I love seeing Bijan hitting the hole and just going right. Yeah. Uh, even if you go back to last year when Cordero had a lot of his touches, a lot of big gains. It wasn't wait, 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 go. It was go right away. You know, Tyler Algier, same thing. Um, you know, we've seen some of the um, some of those like counters that have worked really well, where they they'll show it. The quarterback shows it one way, and then they hand it off the other. You get the linebackers to flow to get the the edge for your offensive lineman, get into that second level, and that works. Um, you know, so it's just I would like to see some more things like that. Again, like yeah. one thing I I will give. Arthur Smith credit for, and we've seen it is he is a creative run, uh, run designer. Yeah. So let's, let's try to design some different inside run schemes instead of that outside zone, because of the disparity that we have right now on the edge that you mentioned, and let's attack that way because it does work. It works this game. We've seen it working years in, excuse me, in weeks past. Um, and you know, one of the things I want to do in these next, next two weeks I'm going to rewatch the the first Saints game from last year because obviously, as everyone knows, like we should have won that game. Maybe it was not for a Marcus Mariota fumble that looks a little yeah. different, but there were just certain times in that game you could feel the Falcons imposing their will on the Saints, especially in the run game. Of course, one of the biggest the biggest memories I have of it, I believe, actually it was Caden Ellis, but Cordero has that run by the goal line and just runs that linebacker over. Could have been Caden Ellis, maybe Pete Warner. I can't remember off the top of my head but you know that, that, that that's one of those examples where i say like hey that that defense or like if you're watching a game when you can just feel that yeah. you know a run game is imposing their will that's the type of stuff that i want to see let these guys get downhill and run that way and i'm telling you nothing gets an o-line more excited and more ready to block than a downhill run game that's working yeah exactly and and i you know, I, I think we all want to see that. That I think that's one of the keys to why the offense has been so inconsistent is because the running game, which was probably the most reliable part of the offense last year without question, has not been nearly as reliable at, at generating consistent yardage on first and second down on any down, really. That, so it's, yeah. Yeah. And I was going to say, on that note, too, one thing I'd also love to see, if you are going to continuously stick with the outside zone, where is that play with, let's say you have Pitts just off the line, but you know, still as a right there next to next to Jake Matthews or whoever or McGarry, you show outside zone, but you bring your tight end across the formation and you boot out. 
and then boom, there's that easy flat throw. Now you let Pitts be an athlete and gain a couple yards there. Like where where are the where are those counters that get the defense off balance? I haven't seen a lot of those as of late. You know, I remember, oh my goodness, I think this was like the Tony Gonzalez era. That was one of the plays that worked for Matt Ryan so much with Michael Turner, where it's like they're showing that outside zone, they're showing that stretch play, then you boot out the other way, boom, there it is. Um, I haven't seen that a lot this year off the top of my head. And I think that's something where if you show that a lot, it just puts it puts a thought right into especially that second level puts a thought in their head of like, Hey, I got to stay home a little bit more on this. Cause they really could bring somebody else this way. Um, I just haven't seen a lot of tight ends being used in a sniffer spot in a sniffer position where they could be potentially a pass catcher as well as something to think about. Um, I'd like to see that a little bit more too. Yeah, no, I mean, it, there's a lot of things in this offense that to me, you know, like they, that they could do or they could change to, to, fix the the tight end blocking issues you know we, we've talked one we talked about a lot is like kyle, make kyle pitts your wide receiver too like who's the other wide receiver you're trying to get looks out opposite drake london i mean honestly like who who like van jefferson's doing nothing scotty miller is clearly just a occasional you know wide mm-hmm. receiver four type guy mac collins has been more or less relegated to drake london's backup and unfortunately when he had a, a chance to play that role he immediately got hurt so that sucked um, for him and for the Falcons, who had nobody to play that role without Drake London um, and and Matt Collins, but to me, it's like I, I I just can't understand. Like we, you look at like I I posted this on Twitter. Look at the look at what the Bills did with Dalton Kincaid. You know, on his touchdown, it's like oh, had him lined up outside, and what do you know? They created some space with these routes, and Kincaid streaking down the sideline and wide open for a touchdown. Obviously, the route combination created a nice coverage bust there, so he was wide open. But you know, to me, I just I, I don't see why we're we're not even giving Kyle Pitts opportunities to to make those types of plays. Like there's no creativity in his usage whatsoever. He's basically been relegated to just being in line, like almost just just huge majority of the time in line or in the slot. He's I think this last game he played 38 snaps in line and like 10 everywhere else. Um, and I just I, I think by now in year three I think we were expecting to see Kyle Pitts playing out out wide. Like that, that was the natural evolution of his game to be more like a Jimmy Graham type to, to play more outside of, of an inline role, particularly when we know his, his run blocking is not really fantastic. Um, and so, and I think the other side of that coin is that it, you can still use two tight ends. We know they want to, and they have two good ones in John New and, and, and Kyle Pitts, but these aren't like your, your blocking tight ends. So why don't you have one of them in line and then the other one lined up out wide and spread the de- spread the defense out more because if you can't you can't find success in that condensed front because your tight ends can't block, then spread them out and, and make it easier for your running back instead of having him have to to navigate all that traffic or have guys crashing in all the time. You know, there's just there's a lot more room to work if you spread them out. And I think we saw um, what game was it? I know it was it was late. I think it was late in that Titans game um, that they they did start spreading them out on on Heineke's sort of comeback drive. Uh, and they had a lot of success running the football against that Titans defense that had mostly shut it down early by spreading them out and, and just sort of they were able to execute those run concepts and get space a little bit easier. So that there are there are other ways to generate space, and I'm just surprised, given how poor the tight end blocking has been, that, that there's been basically no effort to sort of switch things up and, and create space otherwise. And to that point, if you do not space them out by alignment, guess what that means? Zone coverage. 
you you you'll you're putting yourself in a position to better understand and know what the defense is lining up in, even if um even if they don't want to go out there and do that. So again, it's just some some slight differences um yeah. that I think would be helpful and, and help this team out. But um yeah, man, it's uh like I said, I'm not I'm not gonna keep going into this this the fire Arthur Smith or he's needs to go thing. It's it's I'm I'm past that now. It's just okay with what we do have and what's there, what would I like to see, right? Um, to again salvage the season because I right. still fully believe, I believe this is still a play this like talent wise. People can disagree with me with me if they want. I don't care. This is a playoff team, especially this year. This is the team that can win this division, especially this year. So that, you know, that's how I'm looking at things. And obviously I know we still got to get to the defense. And I mean, really the thing for me, the defense is two things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One, can we stop with the coverage bus? <laughs> like that's something that's been happening so many times, but most importantly, again, I think the main thing I would say for the defense is get back to the basics. Uh, and I say that in terms of, of course, like you, you, you know, you talked about tackling. That's been a problem the last few weeks. You know, I think I even said last week uh, before the Arizona game, I said, you know, this, I think it was the Vikings game where I, I said, it just feels like it's the most amount of missed tackles I've seen in a game all year. Um, so, you know, that, that's one thing they need to get back to. But also on top of that, it's understanding your rush lanes. You know, like that, that's the thing for me. Like, I, I get it. You went against two mobile quarterbacks now, right? With Josh Dobbs and, um, and uh, Kyler Murray. Now those guys, when they, when they start scrambling, you know, they look to run a little bit more. Now the way it looks like with uh, Derek Carr's injuries, you're going against Jameis, right? Now Jameis is much more of a pocket guy than those last two, but we have seen through his career, whether it's at Florida state, Tampa Bay, and now in new Orleans, he will use his legs to extend plays. Yeah. So you have to be disciplined in your rush lanes to, to make sure that he can't do that. Now, for anyone at home who's who's concerned or, or, or questioning, is like, what do you mean by rush lanes? Here's what I'm saying. If you have, let's say you have a four-man rush, right? Okay, so the ends on both sides, you rush the upfield shoulder. So let's say Jameis is a right-handed quarterback, right? He's looking to throw. You rush that right shoulder, not the left, because if you rush the left, he has room to bounce outside. Okay. Now, for the two tackles on the inside, you have to almost at you're trying to go at a certain point. So if you're on the left side, you're that lefty tackle. You got to rush the the left side. Yeah, the left side of Jameis's left shoulder. Okay. So boom, you're there. And obviously on the other side, you got to rush the right side. That's what I mean about rush lanes. Cause again, you look at the most important play probably of this Cardinals game when Kyler had that third and 10 scramble, Arnold Katie did not rush his upfield shoulder. That's why Kyler could spin around and get out. Um, so I, I would like to see the Falcons get back to basics and understanding some of those principles when, when it comes to uh, comes to the saints game. Yeah, and it's just wild that they they did the exact same thing twice in a row. Or it's like, oh, I know they got out of it. I mean, I think it's just guys feel so desperate, like they have to make the play. Like, oh, we have to, we have to make this play, and like they just break, they they lose their discipline, you know. And and I think the whole team feels that way. It's like everyone feels so pressed and so strung out to try to make something happen because of the direction that this team is going that they're they've stopped doing the fundamental things right. Like they're, 
rounding off routes. They're, you know, missing tackles, going for the big hit. They're just focusing on trying to strip the ball. They're not maintaining their rush lanes, like you mentioned. I mean, it, the whole team just looks so sloppy. Um, and add to that, you know, the Falcons are now, I think, 32nd in special teams grade, according to uh, mm-hmm. PFF. So, you know, just add add that on top. So, Well, I think a big part of that, too, is, of course, it's it's the punt return. I think that, that's probably why they have that grade. Because yeah. you look at a kickoff, they really haven't given up that many big kickoffs. Usually Bradley Pingan's putting it in the end zone for touchbacks. Young Wake, who's been consistent, one of the best kickers in the league. Um what else is there? I mean, you know, punt. Obviously, they gave up that big return to Dorch uh, in that Cardinals game, but for the most part, they haven't given up big things. Now, I would like to see Pinion be a little bit more consistent in terms of his his punt depth and where we're changing field position. But the main cause that you look at things as to why they could be that low is because they don't get anything out of the punt return game. Yeah, and not not only do they not get anything in terms of yards, they give up a lot of yards. Yeah, so. That's that's kind of the the disappointing part, and I can understand that you know that's why they're there. Yeah, exactly. So it's like we're just seeing you know, and it, it just to me comes back to the coaching. It's like if the whole team feels dragged down by this stuff, if all if all phases are struggling, you know, players across the board are having sloppy mistakes and all this stuff. You know, it it's easy if it's one player screwing up. You know, when it was just Mike Hughes, it's like oh well, maybe it's Mike Hughes is the problem, or you know maybe you know, Richie Grant's the problem in coverage. He's having all these coverage busts or, you know, maybe, you know, it's, it's Bud Dupree who can't finish a sack or something like that. Like, but it's everyone. It's like, Oh, I don't have a Katie's joining in. And there's even Clay's Campbell's missing a tackle. And like, you know, like everyone looks sloppy. Everyone looks out of sorts. And, and, you know, it, it, to me, that just, I don't, I don't know exactly what it means, but it, it, it looks like a team that's just sort of floundering that, you know, it's, it's in disarray. Like this team is in disarray from top to bottom. And I think, you know, people are like, Oh, well the players are messing up. It's like, well, the, the you have like, there's nowhere else to point. If every player is messing up, it has yeah. to be coaching to some extent. And like, obviously Jerry Gray is not telling the DBs to miss a tackle or coaching them to do that. It's, it's not that simple, but it's, it's more like, why is everyone making mistakes? Why is the team look so undisciplined? And that to me it just goes back to that. So. Yeah, no, that, that's right. It just feels like, to an extent, everybody in that building is stressed. Yeah, and and here's here's what I mean by that. And I'll I'll put it in terms that I think everybody can understand whether you play football, not football, organized sports or not. When you get stressed out by something, you know you 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 overthink certain things, and you try you over try to do certain things. And when you over try it, and it doesn't go right, well, guess what? That just makes you want to try even harder. And when you try even harder, you get more frustrated. It's like, oh my goodness, what's going on? It's not working. Like you, you panic and you almost do the things that you, even the things that you do every single day that are just kind of routine for you, they don't feel routine anymore. That, and that's what it kind of feels like with uh, with this team right now. It's almost like, you know, when, when, when SpongeBob didn't know how to tie his shoes, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you don't get tie your shoes and everything else just goes kind of off the rails, right? Yeah. Um, and that's what, that's what it kind of feels like right now. Where, you know, again, you look at their first, uh, five, six weeks of the season, we were talking about how great of a tackling team this yeah. defense was. And and we're talking about the pressures. Well, the reason why pressures were there is because people are at least disciplined in their rush lane. So people aren't scrambling and, you know, getting here or there. Like, for example, again, if, if and this is where I say, like, you know, you had to look at pressures in terms of context. I'm sure the Falcons probably got a pressure for that Kyler Murray first down they scramble. Did. Yeah. You know, so 
but it's like, all right, cool. You got the pressure, but you also gave a first down. So that's not a good pressure. Um, so it's just one of those things where, again, I, I like I said, I, I just want hopefully the bye week will allow people to decompress, get back to basics. Because I think if you come out in the game and now this is a, uh, you know, a very good opponent that you're going up against. I don't care what the record says. I'm, it's a very good opponent. Divisional rival. They hate them. I mean, they hate us. We hate them. If certain things go right early in the game, I think everybody will just kind of deep exhale and say, oh, yeah, this is who we are and what we can do. And, and you get back into the letting the routine things be routine again. Yeah. No, I mean, I think at this point, like they, they desperately need this buy and, and they don't have any yeah. more room for error. Like it, it no. to, to get back to a winning, a winning record, you have to go five and two. So they, they blew all of their chances to, to have, you know, you can afford two slip ups over the next seven games. That's, that's not a great, that's not a great setup. Now, that being said, it's not like it's a murderer's row you have to play, but they, it wasn't a murderer's exactly. row the last three games and they lost all of them. So exactly, like, yeah. you got to play the saints twice who are probably the best team left on your schedule, which is, and they're not very good. Um, and you know, are probably going to be without Michael Thomas and, and Marshall Lattimore for at least the first one of those games. Mm-hmm. And, it seems like Carr's probably going to be back for that game, but you know who knows. Um, okay, be careful about that Jets game, though. That defense yeah, yeah. is, they, like they, I said, I, I get it. Yeah. You know, they, the offense might be what it is with, with Zach Wilson. That defense is good enough to win them some games. Yeah, so you can't take the Jets for granted, but you know, it, no. it's you can't take any of these opponents for granted. I mean, it's the Falcons we're talking about here, you know. But it's like Bears, <laughs> Colts, Panthers again, and Bucks. You know that that's it. Like. There's nobody there that's really, other than the Saints, that's even sniffing a winning record at this stage. So, like, I mean, I guess the Colts are probably better than expected, but they're, you know, we're not really talking, like, unbeatable or anything like that. So, you don't you don't have a lot of excuses here, like, but but now you have to go on this hot streak to end the season or you're, yeah. I mean, what I don't I don't know what we're doing here. And I know, you know, this Jeff Schultz article definitely made it seem like Lex Smith's probably safe. But I mean, I, I think the expectation is still that they make the playoffs. And if they don't, I think there's going to be questions um, and, and there's at least going to be somebody fired. I'm not exactly sure who it's going to be, but yeah. I do expect someone to, to get the, to get there'll, someone's going to fall some on the sword. Yeah. So yeah, there'll, there'll be some uh, changes. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's been frustrating. Uh, I know you guys are all frustrated as well uh, as we are um, watching this team scuffle around the past three weeks, but. The bye, this, the bye week is the one time where you can see a team actually make some substantial changes. It's really the only time during the season, the season that you're going to see that. So this is their shot. Uh, and and the good news for the Falcons, despite everything, is that they play the Saints for first place in the division somehow. Uh, they're four and six, and they're playing for first place in the division after the bye. So you win that. Look, and there's one thing. If there's one thing that Falcons fans will take as as an olive branch for Arthur Smith. It's beating the Saints. Like, oh, yeah. you beat the Saints, it, it'll get you a long way. It'll things get you a long go, way with things fans. Things a little bit better if you beat the it, Saints, absolutely. Yeah, it, it'll it'll earn you some, it'll earn you a week or two of reprieve if you beat the Saints. So, um, especially if you sweep them. You know, if he goes 9-8 and eight and sweeps the Saints, fans might be like, well, well okay, that's, yeah, okay. That's yeah. the other part about this. We're 2-0 <laughs> in the division right now. Yeah. Which, <laughs> They're just going to go 6-0 and and again. They're going to be like 6 and 0 in the division at like 8 wins. It's going to be hilarious. But Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, just oof. But I I hope they can get it done because I I cert- I mean I'm going to do a mock draft this week, guys, as as I promised when they lost to the Cardinals. Here we but are. I'm hoping that that'll be the last one I have to do for a while. Um but I, 
I did see one earlier because I think we're in ninth right now. We are, I believe, to be our, our pick. Yes. So mm-hmm. I saw one that had us taking a uh, Liatu Latu at yeah. nine, which I thought yep. was pretty interesting. Yep. If only we didn't have to take a quarterback. Uh, I was about to say, I also I saw Michael that. Penix wasn't. Uh, I was to say, I also saw Michael Penix wasn't drafted yet either yeah. on that one. So, just no, it's it's, it's Jaden Daniel season, Jordan. Uh, so I'm just saying. Yeah. To you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To me, I like Penix. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Really, the only question with Penix is how terrified are teams of those medicals? That's. I mean, I think he certainly has the talent to go in the top ten. Yeah. It's not really a question of that. Well, so. And that's the thing for me. You protect your quarterback. You don't have to worry about medicals as much. That's true. I, I don't. I don't know that I trust the Falcons <laughs> to be that team, but you know. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> but I think we might need the guy that's going to run around like a maniac uh, and escape. Uh, not that Penix can't do that, but I would. I would rather see him have some clean pockets to work from. I mean, it would be nice sure. if we could just do that for every quarterback we get. But you know, baby steps, <laughs> baby steps. But uh, Jordan, appreciate your time here in this bye week, uh, guys. Uh, as always, we'll have more stuff for you this week. We'll be back on Wednesday with Will McFadden. To, to, to have Will talk us off the ledge. Will is probably the most positive person about this team left. Uh, so I was like, well, let's get someone in here that, that's actually more positive about the outcome of this season. So we'll have his more more positive perspective on Wednesday. Then I'll have that mock draft coming to you guys probably on Friday. And then uh, football-free weekend. So so take a break, relax, You know, maybe enjoy a stress-free Sunday, whatever works for you guys. Enjoy that. But before we take off, I want to thank, of course, Jordan Watkins at Big 75 Fella host of the Falcons fade podcast, as well as uh, many wearing many other hats. Anything else you want to want to add Jordan before we sign off today? Uh, yeah, listen, I just want to say, and I know I talked about uh, stress a little bit earlier, right? Like that's how I feel like the team is. And of course, um, like I said, I wanted to make that reference because I wanted to make that to something. Everybody understands. I think everybody in their lives, you experience some type of stress. And so, not to go on a crazy, super long mental health, you know, uh, rant, but no, seriously, take care of yourselves, everybody. Um, you know, obviously, like God, mental health is crazy. Like, trust me, yes. I get it. I struggle with it at times. Um, I know a lot of people do. So take some time for yourself. You know, and I know for for a lot of us, probably one of the reasons why we deal with mental health and we struggle with our mental health is because of the Falcons. <laughs> well, we don't have to see them this weekend. So yep. No, if you if you do get some time, seriously, and I'll, and I'll do seriously, if you get some time this weekend to do something for you, go on a walk, chill by the water, whatever the case may be, do it. Just take care of yourself. Yeah, yeah. Have have a have a nice week. Have a nice weekend. You know, do it. Do what makes you happy. And we'd all like for the Falcons to make us happy. That that it seems like a very dicey proposition <laughs> at this point. So I wouldn't depend on that. I would start making alternative arrangements yeah. for your happiness this year. But. uh no matter how bad this team is, guys, uh, Jordan and I will be here to to talk you through the the mess. Uh, but you know, there's a slight chance, maybe still, that they're not a mess. But the the the, the, the it's really getting narrow now, like extremely <laughs> narrow. So, you know, we're gonna have they're gonna have to thread the needle here. But stranger things have happened. You know, we we've seen some wild stuff happen. I mean, you look back to 2016, which is always the example. They weren't yep. doing super great at the midway point. And then they uh, hit that stride. Yep, they went they hit the hot streak. So. You know, there there's always a chance they could do that. I, I would admit that would be probably one of the most unlikely things, but this has been a wild NFL season, so there's always the opportunity Absolutely. for that to happen. But, uh, guys, thanks again for tuning in today. Uh, two Dirty Birds and Brews, uh, shout-out to our sponsor, Bet Online. Make sure to check out the Patreon if you're interested in supporting. Like, subscribe on YouTube. Leave that five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. We got 
several more shows coming to you this week, so stay tuned, guys. And once again, thanks for tuning in to the Dirty Birds and Bruce podcast. We'll see you next time, folks. Have a great day.